0: Making people's lives better.
2: Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer, worldwide. I'm Laviz Nijmer.
1: Don't
0: guard that
1: joint, my friend.
2: This week the Harper government unveiled a new free market break. approach to medicinal marijuana. Producers are rushing to get a piece of the billion-dollar-plus market, but thousands of legal users are fuming. Medical marijuana advocate Terry Roycroft will tell us why. This Tuesday was Seniors' Day, and CARP chapters across the country raised their flags to market. Meanwhile, a UN report says Canada ranks very high in terms of doing well by our elders. CARP's VP of Advocacy, Susan Eng, has a different take, and we'll have that later. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Nearly half of all Canadians facing a major health crisis are struggling financially as a result. And according to the new study from Sun Life Financial, Zoomers are hardest hit by unforeseen health care costs after a diagnosis like cancer or after a stroke that hit home here at zoomer radio one of our own sales rep lisa glenny suffered a major stroke last november and she's continuing to undergo costly therapy that's not covered by ohip on thursday night toronto's radio community came together to raise money for her continued recovery here's lisa's husband roy windhager
3: Keeping positive means you have to have a a huge support system behind you, and that's family, family can only do so much, but you have this amount of friends that are behind you, that kind of love and support, just mentally, I think just makes her that much stronger.
2: In a few days, an 89-year-old Toronto peace activist will learn if a judge has found her guilty on criminal charges because she refused to fill out the 2011 census. Audrey Tobias told Ontario Court in Toronto that she agrees with the purpose of the census but objects to the involvement of American military contractor and weapons manufacturer Lockheed Martin. Tobias could be fined a maximum of $500 or face jail time. I'll not pay a fine. I'll not do community work because
0: those would suggest that I feel guilty. I'm not, I don't feel guilty.
2: Midlife stress can lead to dementia later in life. A new study from Sweden has linked day-to-day stressors like divorce and job strain to dementia, usually Alzheimer's disease. Psychiatrists first evaluated 800 middle-aged women in 1968 and then reassessed them over the next 37 years. The research in the British Medical Journal found that each stress factor raised the risk of dementia 17%, even for women who did not report feeling stressed out. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Health Canada is getting out of the medical marijuana business. New regulations are now out, and as of next April, there will be a free market, with licenses going to private companies that run large marijuana farms and charge whatever the market will bear. Right now, licensed users can grow pot themselves or authorize someone else to grow it for them. That option will be closed and medical marijuana advocates are fuming because they figure prices will skyrocket to between 9 and $12 a gram. I reached Terry Roycroft of the Medical Cannabis Resource Centre in Vancouver. Your group is going to be calling for an injunction against the new regulations for medical marijuana. Why is that?
4: Our uh, legal advisor, John Conroy, who's one of the uh, top lawyers in the country in regards to medicinal cannabis, has been uh, contacted by a uh, coalition for the repeal of this particular program. And in the next couple of weeks, he's going to be issuing an injunction. And this is to stop the government from proceeding with this, pro- uh, repealing this program until they can take a better look at the uh, issue of removing the growing rights for the patients.
2: What's the problem with the government program?
4: Well, right now there's a large segment of it which have been identified through Health Canada's uh, risk assessment uh, plan, identifying about 30% of the patients that they license grow for themselves because they can't afford the high cost of it in other forms. And so this is going to affect up to 100,000 people over the next 10 years that can no longer afford it based on the new pricing structure. And the government at this time has no method of of covering that medicine for them and probably won't in the uh, future here and quite far into the future at this point.
2: Is that basically uh, the objection that it's going to be harder for people of limited means to get access to their medicine?
4: Yeah, that's one of the biggest issues right now and that is the main focus on the coalition that is going against this, is the fact that they want the government now to take a year take a look at that procedure, how they may be able to facilitate the low-income people so they can actually get their medicine. So they want to stop the program from proceeding until they can actually deal with that issue.
2: The government's rationale, uh, basically, they're saying that, uh, yes, people get licenses and they can grow for themselves or designate someone to grow for them. But what invariably happens now that uh, a lot of people grow a little extra and it ends up going into the black market.
4: Well, that's true. And that's been one of the uh, biggest Reasons why this uh, law is looking to be repealed is that yeah there had been some criminal elements involved that have taken advantage of the rules the way they are not having a ratio between the amount of lights and the plants for instance if we were to give out a license where an individual could grow 48 plants a um, uh, for himself in his grow operation he could do two lights with the 48 plants at six inches tall, or he could do 48 plants with 48 lights that are six feet tall. So there's a huge disparity within the uh, growing techniques that made a lot of, you know, uh, abuse possible.
2: When is the program uh, supposed to take effect?
4: Well, the program actually is is, uh, taking effect March 31st of 2014, but what's happened is as of uh, the beginning of this month, October 1st, we no longer can sign people for that old program. Mm-hmm. so effectively the next six months is the wind down. The people who have already got their licenses to grow can continue to do so, but any new patient that came into the program now would not be able to do the growing. We would still be able to license them for their possession licenses, which were transferable to the new program, but any growing or any increase of your license or dosage uh, is no longer available to be done.
2: Terry Roycroft, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Meanwhile, a new CARP poll asked how should the government deal with the possession and sale of marijuana? Nearly 54% believe it should be legalized, regulated, and taxed. And speaking of CARP, Susan Eng is up next with her take on the United Nations Global Age Index. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in
0: Review. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing. Making people's lives better.
5: We're not just raising a flag, but we're flagging some of the problems that we need to deal with as a society and that we can deal with as a collective. October 1st was National
2: Seniors Day and to honour it, 50 CARP chapters across the country raised their flags. The downtown Toronto chapter held its ceremony at City Hall and among the dignitaries on hand was the minister in charge of Ontario's new senior secretariat, Mario Sergio.
4: It is great that we joined today to celebrate National Seniors Day and we joined the United Nations in celebrating United Nations uh, Seniors' Day for good reasons. We have to work all together to provide our seniors with the necessities that they need when they need them.
2: It's been three years since CARP started this annual flag-raising tradition. How far have we come in that time? I sat down with VP of Advocacy Susan Eng.
5: Even more important than what we actually achieved is that the whole issue of an aging population, the challenges we face, are part of the public discourse right now. And that's more important. You know, we will continue to get improvements. There will be some setbacks, like increasing the age for OAS. But the point is, is that these issues are front and center, It's not
2: just an issue here in Canada. It is an issue around the world. And just this week, the UN came out with its global age index and some very interesting findings. First of all, that the world is not ready for its rapidly aging population. And there was also a ranking. And uh, we didn't do too badly. I thought we did pretty well. Canada ranked number five, Sweden
5: number one, Afghanistan dead last, number 91. Well, that is true, and that's interesting when you have the combined ranking. However, if you actually drill down uh, and look at Canada's rankings on the separate criteria that they use, uh, we did extremely well on health care. We were, I think, number two on health care and the quality of care that we give everyone, including uh, older Canadians. But when we looked at income supports, preventing poverty in old age... uh, any kind of sort of financial security, we were at 26. And that's, you know, gives you fuel for the issues that we've talked about before, Libby, when we talked about uh, workers feeling that they need to keep working, that there's a need for pension reform to help us better save for our own retirement and so on. These are issues that, that we've grappled with over the last few years. And indeed, it's a marker of how well or not well we have done compared to others in the, in the world.
2: Would you say that that is the key thing
5: that we have to clean up our act on? Well, that is the one where we rank the worst. Uh, on the various criteria. And it's really important for us to realize that, you know, we do very well overall, but these are the kinds of things that we can and should fix. And these are the issues that we've talked about. They're not quick fixes. You can't do it in one year. You have to take the long view. And when we're talking about people's retirement, their ability to make it through retirement without you know, facing poverty in many cases, then we have to have some structural change. We have to make sure people have good jobs, that they can keep the jobs, that they can save adequately for their own retirement.
2: I still, I have to say, I'm looking at these rankings, you know, we did better than the United States, better than the UK, better than Australia. I mean, you know, I'm looking at that and I'm
5: feeling pretty proud, actually. Yeah, well, you see, the thing is, if we do that and if our politicians take that attitude that there's nothing that they need to do to improve our lot, well, then where are the business, first of all? And secondly, is it true? <laughs> when we when we ask um, our members... You can retire, Susan, well, if we have are, paradise. Again, <laughs> exactly. But the reality is that for a lot of people on the ground, despite those kinds of rankings in those kinds of individual criteria that they were looking at, Things are not so good. One of
2: the big issues going forward, again here, but not just here, is
5: creating an age friendly city. What is CARP going to be advocating on that front? Well, we did use the flag raisings in all the municipalities to raise that point, particularly that the municipal level has an opportunity to make sure that the communities are age-friendly. And what does that mean? It means that as you age, you continue to participate in civic life, that you have access to public buildings, to your own building, uh, and that you have independence as you get older and what that means specifically of course is that your voice is heard that you can get into buildings if you're in a wheelchair for example that uh, you can live in your own home because you there are ground floor bathrooms that are set up and so on furthermore that as you age that you are able and you have medical challenges for example that you can access the care at home that you can get social services nearby without going clear across town for example all of these things Make an environment uh, better for people to age within. In Manhattan, they actually did um, intersection audits. They did the audits to check whether or not there were a a high incidence of pedestrian uh, accidents. They were checking to see if there was a high volume or density of people of a certain age with mobility challenges, and they did slow down those crossings. And so that's something that if even Manhattan, you know, known for its speed, can do, we certainly could do in our major centres.
2: Sometimes it's terrifying to watch a really scared older person, you know,
5: desperately thinking, am I going to make it across the street before the light changes? If we start to understand what the challenges are, make those small adjustments, what would it cost? To slow down that intersection, you know, a few seconds maybe in terms of traffic flow and, and to save a life. Those are opportunities that we have that don't cost a lot of money. CARB chapters across the country are raising the flag and using the opportunity to flag those things that municipal governments can do better to make sure that all of our lives are better as we age. Okay, Susan Eng, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. For more
2: information, go to carp.ca. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. We'll take a quick break and come back with the top hit from 1963.
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing making people's lives better. Welcome back
2: to the Zoomer Weekend Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snyder. It's time for your international art statebook. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's
3: Jane Brown. In New York City, Artist Robert Indiana is known for his love image, which became a symbol of the 1960s counterculture revolution. Now the first major retrospective of all his other work is at the Whitney Museum of American Art. In Chicago, Pullman Porter Blues is at the Goodman Theater. Come on. This music-fueled trip takes the audience back in time into the luxurious Pullman trains of the 1930s, where the hidden lives of African-American porters emerge to take center stage. To London, England, where incredible pearl jewels worn by the likes of Charles I and Marilyn Monroe are on display at the Victoria and Albert Museum. And in Australia, it just might be the greatest love story of all time. Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet is on stage at the Sydney Opera House. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Day book. Every once
2: in a while here on the Zoomer Week in Review, we like to travel back to the past and hear a chart-topping hit from days gone by. We'll do that right now with the biggest hit of the year from 50 years ago, in 1963. it spent five weeks on top of the Billboard charts starting in early October, and its popularity has definitely endured. Here are Jimmy Gilmer and the Fireballs with Sugar
1: Shack. (laughs) Crazy little shack beyond the tracks And everybody calls it the Sugar Shack Well, it's just a coffee house and it's made out of wood Espresso coffee tastes mighty good That's not the reason why I've got to get back up to that Sugar Shack Girl, love me when I put on some trash. You can understand why I've gotta get back up to that sugar shack. Whoa, baby, to that sugar shack. Yeah, honey, to that sugar shack. Oh, yes, to that sugar shack. And now that sugar shack queen. of that Sugar Shack Just me and her, yes, we're gonna go back to that Sugar Shack Whoa, oh, to that Sugar Shack Yeah, honey, to our Sugar Shack Yeah, 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 our
2: That was Jimmy Gilmer and the Fireballs with Sugar Shack. The number one hit 50 years ago in 1963. It spent five weeks on top of the Billboard charts. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Zneimer. Thanks so much for joining me today and come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer
0: worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer Moses Zneimer. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program director John Bandry.
1: This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.